Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Sanae, have you heard the story about how Lily Gladstone wanted to become an actor? What the inspiration <gasps> was? Yes. Wasn't it that she wanted to be an Ewok from Star Wars? Apparently. That's where it came from. <laughs> I don't blame her. Those little guys, they're so cute. They're little furry guys just running around the forest. What's not to love? Do you know that Ewok is never actually said in the movie? Yet we all know they're called Ewoks. Then how do we know they're called Ewoks? It's a good question, isn't it? No, but like actually, how do we know? It's a good question. No, you have to tell me how we know. <laughs> Otherwise, what else is a lie? My whole life is based on, on fallacy. How do we know? They, they call them cartoons and they you know from outside, from the toys and stuff. How do we know? Well, maybe they called something else in the universe. Oh, my God. Hello to everybody. This is I Only Like You. And movies. My name is Lottie. Her name is Sine. How are you, Sine? Hello. I am a bit sick, so apologies if you can hear that in my voice. But I am here in spirit. I don't know. I, I'm here. Hi. Okay. <laughs> Glad to know you're here. Um, I hope you're ready for our first three and a half hour podcast because Jeez. we're going to do every minute of this podcast will match the minute of <laughs> Killers of the Flower Moon. Not actually. Maybe will we long. have an intermission or? Are we going to be pretentious about that as well? Pretentious? That's a um, pretty <laughs> inflammatory uh, wording so far, Sine. Um, against the best filmmaker ever. I'm not sure why. I just think if you're making a three and a half hour movie, you need to have some understanding that people might need a little break. Right. Okay. Don't act like you didn't agree with me off pod like two <laughs> seconds ago about this, by the way. I don't know about adding intermission. I maybe just make it all a bit shorter without well, yeah, any sure. intermission. Yeah. Okay. You probably know about it if you listen to this podcast up to this point, but Kills the Flower Moon, mm-hmm. American epic Western crime drama film, Wikipedia tells us, uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, starring his two muses, Leonardo DiCaprio and Robert De Niro. Uh, Lee Gladstone, as we mentioned, is also in it. Uh, John Lithgow turns up, which is great. And so does Brendan Fraser. We'll talk about his performance later, I'm sure. But also, Jesse Plemons is the other big name who Sine definitely knew was in the movie, didn't she? Definitely did. Um, wasn't surprised, like, two hours and 58 <laughs> minutes into the film being like, oh, Jesse's here. Awesome. <laughs> now, I think it's it's one of those weird ones, this movie, because it's definitely very well made. The performances, I think, are pretty top-notch all throughout. But as I was talking to somebody else about this at work like it's not meant to be an enjoyable film no it's almost the point that it's long that's a slog and it's depressing and the things in it are so awful like that is the point but that makes it quite hard to review as a, as a film i think and to, to talk about whether it was good or whether you liked it because i think so much of what we think about 
film as an art form is entertainment as well as you know crossing boundaries and conforming and, and challenging our views i think for the large part i think most people go to the movies for a bit of fun they want to get challenged and you know be informed about the world but also they want to have a night off from thinking about how tough their actual life is so when a movie like this comes along which is not entertaining but that's the point mm. how do we sort of how do we deal with that Sine? i don't know i don't have the answer <laughs> <laughs> i think maybe um horribly if a majority white audience sees this film it is a break from their horrors by watching horrors done to another per- like another group of people i don't know i guess that's part of it that that can be confronting and and not shy away i would, would never say we should shy away from the past and i think it's good that films can put a spotlight on what has occurred historically um i don't know about you but being here in australia i would imagine i'd had some understanding that um things are pretty bad for the indigenous populations of north america but i didn't know about this particular story so this film has shown a lot on that which is which is mm-hmm. good because um, I don't think want things to be forgotten, but then it's put through the through the medium of film. So when I want to watch a you know a crime movie, I, I suppose I suspect I expect there's going to be genre expectations that there'll be you know investigation, there will be um, enthralling, compelling aspects. But this movie doesn't really have that, and it's only really when Jesse Plemons turns up very close to the end of the movie that it sort of really starts to start becoming an investigation movie and that's all a choice i I don't think they forgot how to make a movie or anything like that um and i think part of the point as well is that jesse plemons when he turns up as the fbi eventually after years and years of terrible things happening he pretty quickly pieces together what's what's occurred right Mm. that's part of the point again but again, if, as a as a film, I think it's it's almost anti-film in, in some ways, isn't it? It's it's not your traditional three act structure and whatnot. I think the scope was too wide. I think mm-hmm. I think there was just too much that we were trying to cover, like the whole because the trial part and the investigation is really tacked on, sort of in the end, thirty minutes. Then there's a bizarre radio play ending, which I'll talk about in a sec, but. I feel like it's hard because you want to tell this story from beginning to end and this story from beginning to end is starting at the first murder and ending at the investigation. So I understand that. Maybe it's a pacing thing then. Maybe it's a balancing Mm. act in the narrative. Maybe it's shifting things further forward in the runtime to make it have more of an arc. Because I really feel like the first two hours of this movie is a completely different movie really about abuse and and in marital relationships and mm. um, a little bit of the gangster stuff and, and familial pressure and um, emotional abuse. And then it sort of turns into a crime drama in the last half an hour. I think part of that, mm. and don't come for me, everybody, but I think that Leonardo DiCaprio was miscast. Okay. I think he was too old for the character. Okay. Why do you think that? Well, the very fact that he's he's supposed to be like in his twenties and he's actually in his forties—that's that's part of it. Um, he's supposed to be fresh out of World War One, 
coming in. He's supposed to be a young man sort of mm-hmm. thing. I, I think maybe we would have had more sense of the scope of what's happening if he was younger. And we had aged him bit, sort of thing. Yeah, well, he just seemed a bit too old to really mm-hmm. to fit what was going on with his character being um, manipulated in the way that he was. Yes, so I... Fr- you know, Leo from 20 years ago, I think, would have worked because he was a kid mm-hmm. and he saw the good looks and he was young, impressionable, naive, but just didn't really feel that anymore with Leo on screen. Yeah, I wrote down Leo's portrayal as a, as a weak point of the film as well. And I mm. my main thing was this person that he's playing, he's playing um, Ernest Burkhardt, was he not very bright because it in this movie he seems a bit bamboozled by it all which rubbed me the wrong way because i was sort of thinking like it it makes you think that i think it does a disservice to the actual situation that he could be like oh i just got tied up with all the things my uncle was doing it's like no well you're your own person you can take responsibility for the things that you did you were abusing your wife and and you killed people like, I, I I just thought it let him off sort of a bit scot-free, being like, oh, well, things happen. My uncle just wanted me to do this, you know? I think it was supposed to be that he was had some developmental issues and that's why he was so easily swayed. I think he was very greedy as well. He didn't have any education behind him, so he was quite sort of in depth to his uncle who was providing him with the job and then setting his life out for his own nefarious needs. Right. Well, that I didn't get that impression though. Like I, I was confused. I think perhaps because the casting of Leonardo DiCaprio, why someone like him wouldn't be more switched on. I don't know. See him as sort of an intelligent. Well, yeah, or at least, well, maybe it's the age thing, like you were saying. Like I I didn't, Mm. I didn't buy the portrayal that he didn't know what was going on. I think to a certain degree he knew what was going on, but he was very much swayed. There was that one scene where, was it Brendan Fraser at the end? He said, they beat you. No, they didn't. They beat you. They beat you. Yes. Okay, they did beat me. They beat me. He was like, in three seconds, he was totally turned around. Yeah. But whether that was wanting him to be, he was he wanted to be swayed at certain points as well. Because it's easier to go along with what he was told mm. by everybody. I think the way the film portrays it as well, that he had some sort of love for his wife, though. And I think that's why the complexity yeah. comes into play. Yeah. Maybe he, he thought he was doing the right thing by everybody. How, though? How can you think? Well, I know. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that was ever right. I'm saying that's the, no, no. he was lying to himself potentially. Mm-hmm. or. But I, I guess we're thinking back here that we've got a bit more clarity on the issue, on the issue as well. It's easy for us to, yeah. to, um, to, to be like, how could you ever think that? But I, I don't know. And maybe it's all an act as well, potentially. Yeah. I guess the thing is, like, I was looking for justification, but maybe your point is that the justification was just because he wanted to because he was greedy, and that is the point sort of thing. Hmm. Well, I mean, that was a really badly written line where he says, I love money. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's how we're going to do it. Yeah, you just have characters expressly state their goals and ambitions for the audience. Yeah, but again, I think that is the point. It's definitely like that's how obvious it was everybody. Yeah. They were just taking people's money so obviously and no one cared. Can we talk about Lily Gladstone in 
probably her Oscar winning performance. Of course. She is very magnetic on screen. Mm. I thought she did an excellent job playing Molly. She had like a quiet resilience to her, mm-hmm. really commanded the screen, commanded each scene she was in, stood toe to toe with, you know, Leo, which is, you know, no small feat. Um, mm. I don't really have anything to fault about her performance. And I think that if she wins the Oscar, it will be very well deserved. Absolutely. I agree that she was amazing. My problem is her character sort of gets sidelined for the second half of the movie. Yes. But again, I'm not saying that's a mistake or anything. That's definitely the point is that she was literally incapacitated by her husband and Mm -hmm. his family because she was, would have gotten the way of what they were doing. Do you think also it's the point that like all these white men get to decide what actually happened, you know, in a courtroom, the sidelining of her is, it, is sort of evoking that as well, that hmm. they still didn't, you know, yes, the FBI came in, but the FBI was led by a white man. Yes, the trial happened, yeah, that's it. They're, they're... everyone's white, you know. Totally. I think that's her concern as well. I heard her in the interview, she said she, if the movie was just the investigation, the impression could have been that it was the FBI who saved them hmm. when actually they were surviving despite no one helping them for so long. Yeah. And the investigation, which did occur eventually, was way too late and they had to beg for any sort of help. Yeah. Which shows the justice system is not equal. No. It still isn't, I would, I would argue. No. Um, what do you think? So he, he definitely knew he was poisoning her, right, with the insulin. Yeah. How could, he, how could you do that to your wife and think it's okay? What well, sort of justification was in his mind going through it i'm not him but the Mm. medical professionals were telling him that this is what he needed to do for his wife it's an easy thing to just go well i was just listening to the doctors yeah i guess Mm. everyone they give up responsibility to someone else don't they to someone of authority Mm. yes my uncle knows better so i should listen to him the doctors know better so i should listen to him yeah 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 yeah, then she's like literally dying in bed dying and he, yeah yeah terrible it's pretty awful that, that the kids were around as well seeing all that like that mm. horrific right mm. um and you're right so so this story um covers the murders of the osage people for land rights for oil that happened mm. in 1930s 20s and you're right i had no clue about this in Australia we're not really taught well I was taught indigenous history of America guess in one lesson and we watched Pocahontas mm. so if that tells you any <laughs> anything it's, it's definitely not really on the syllabus here um it's horrific right the idea like I just think about the amount of conflicts that we've had in our history as humans and how much of it is revolving around money and if money wasn't a thing, like so many conflicts just wouldn't have happened. Mm-hmm. You know, like we decide that oil is wealthy. We decide that these people are in this land and then we decide to kill them because we want the money from the thing that's in the land. Like it just, if you think about it conceptually, it's so bizarre that that's even a thing that, that happened. 
and I to be honest I lost the thread towards the end of, of what what was going on like there was it was quite convoluted I think in parts I don't think that was intentional and that again that could just be me not quite following what's going on because it's a long movie and you've got to pay attention for a long time there is some criticism from Native American people about the film that it focuses a lot on trauma and this is a thing we see with marginalized groups I know in the past few years there's been a big discussion about um, LGBT portrayals on film and torture porn basically having you know the ending they die in the end Um, and I can see how that could be a concern from Native American people about this film is that it's it's two and a half three and a half hours of of torture and torment made by a white director and I'm not criticizing him for doing that but I do think that is a piece of the puzzle that needs to be highlighted what do you think about that makes me think about you said before that she's going to win an Oscar and I think she probably will and I think that Mm. will be well deserved but how many times people of color win Oscars based on traumatic yes. performances? Twelve Years a Slave. Yeah. Moonlight one a few years ago. Yeah. That was an intersection of of gay and, and black mm-hmm. trauma. They're all great movies, obviously, and, and wonderful performances. I'm not saying we shouldn't have them; they shouldn't be rewarded. But it does seem like we have to to put people who um, are marginalized through the ringer for them to get recognition. Yeah. It's an extra step they have to go through. Do you think that's because we're at the beginning stages of it and this is just what it's like at the beginning and then hopefully in 10 years it won't be as much of a challenge? Or I think there's an element of correction to history. Yeah. yeah. And we're just sort of right, going through okay. that, that sort of growing period now. Mm. Mm. But I, I, I am worried that, you know, it's like, yeah, we did this awful thing to you. Here, have an award. Okay, dust my hands now. Everything's solved, you know. Yeah, back, back to normal. Back yeah. to normal. Mm. Yeah, and I, I think I think all the, the criticisms uh, are valid, the ones I've seen so far. I don't think necessarily that means the movie is invalid itself, but it's okay if, if people, especially from Osage backgrounds or Native American backgrounds, um, have some qualms about certain things. That's within their rights to, to express yeah. those. I know what you mean about being convoluted. Mm. I don't want to like really go into this fight because you know who cares ultimately. But if this had been a four-part miniseries released over four weeks on HBO or something, mm. I think some of those the aspects of the plot, which having to concentrate for three and a half hours in a row, does get a little bit confusing. I was a bit confused about who some of the minor characters were. Yes. Um, but obviously it's pretty easy to recognise who Leo, Rob, Leo, and Robert De Niro are and some of the other actors who turn up towards the end, but some of the other guys were kind of, I don't know, all look pretty similar to me. Like oh, one of them turned out to be Leo's brother. I was like, oh, you had a brother this whole time? Like, mm-hmm. I don't... Mm-hmm. That would have been easier and some of the plot developments over, you know, four episodes would have been easier to follow. Yeah. I think overall, though, for me, the film was a little bit strange because it was a procedural. I'm talking mm-hmm. about the narrative now, not so much mm-hmm. anything else. So it's like... These are things that happened. He comes along, they get married, and then over time, Robert De Niro starts organizing hits and, and, and killings to sure up all of the land rights or the oil rights. And then eventually, 
investigation happens and all those crimes that you saw happen, he's going to jail for it. And then, yeah, that's what happens. And then it ends with that, that, that scene we'll talk about seeing the radio play. But for me, there, was, there wasn't much, wasn't much to make tension there because it's like, okay, so you know the things that we saw him do? Yep, he's getting in trouble for them now. Mm. Oh, okay. I, I, don't, I don't think I wanted to be a mystery per se. I didn't want there to... But and a sense of unraveling potentially could have been interesting there. But I, I think I think it was the intention to just be, it's so clearly obvious, we'll plainly show you what happened and then we'll show you them getting in trouble for it way too late and really simply because they weren't even that um, sneaky about the crimes they were committing. Mm-hmm. And most people in town were benefiting from it and they just turned the other cheek or turn the other turn their eyes away, I should say. And you know, one or two people stood up eventually, you know, that's all it took mm-hmm. eventually. But yeah, I I, I again I don't I don't want to be like this mystery, like who has been the big bad all along. Oh, it turns out Rob De Niro, we thought he was so great and it turns out he was evil because he is just sort of really, you know blandly evil the whole time and, and that is what's scary about him is that he thinks he's such a good guy but he's doing these terrible yeah, things terrifying, seemingly it? with no qualms himself and the way that he ingratiated himself into these people's lives and they trusted him mm. like that is her- horrific like real life horror that someone Absolutely. that evil could exist I, I think it was the way that we talk about well did Leo actually love his wife that they're yeah. going through this stuff well, did Robert actually like the people he was with? Like, did he think they were friends? Or did I he think, think he was looking in, out for them? In a fucked up way, yeah. I reckon he yeah. did. I reckon he thought he was doing the thing that needed to be done that ultimately mm. would be better for them in society. I think in his own twisted, convoluted way, he justified it to himself like that, which is devastating, right? Like, I think so. I think yeah. um, it definitely shows you that, yeah. Hopefully in real life we don't have too many villains who are, you know, mustache twirling sort of over the top yeah, people. Yeah. They do exist at some point. But yeah, it's the banality of evil they talk about. Yeah. It's a terrible thing. Yeah. And I think that's definitely explored in the film, right? Like it wasn't even a question that he would do this. He didn't even stop for one mm. second and think whether it was appropriate or not. It's just these people mm. have this thing that I want, so I'll kill them. S- simple. Yeah, and and I think as a white person, they or white people, they thought they had the right to, to yes, and to determine there, what and they couldn't trust happen. it. Yeah, and yeah. that and that was by the by the fact that they were killing people to to get the rights, but also the fact that like it was a state thing, like the government mm-hmm. controlled their money, they had to go beg for it from the bank, you know, like yeah. that it was institutionalized as well as on the ground level with people who are going around, you know, committing crimes to to prop up their views there yeah as a person with a very deep voice i'm hired all the time for advertising campaigns but a deep voice doesn't sell b2b and advertising on the wrong platform doesn't sell b2b either that's why if you're a b2b marketer you should use linkedin ads linkedin has the targeting capabilities to help you reach the world's largest professional audience that's right over 70 million decision makers all in one place all the big wigs, then medium wigs, also small wigs who are on the path to becoming big wigs. Okay, that's enough about wigs. 
LinkedIn ads allows you to focus on getting your B2B message to the right people. So, does that mean you should use ads on LinkedIn instead of hiring me, the man with the deepest voice in the world? Yes. Yes, it does. Get started today and see why LinkedIn is the place to be to be. We'll even give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash results to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash results. Terms and conditions apply. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. But yeah, from a narrative point of view, mm. there wasn't much tension there because we, the things he got in trouble for, we already knew he did, and then there wasn't much. Once the police came along, as I said before, they just sort of pieced it all together. So pretty how, much in, how would you... Seemingly in an afternoon. Yeah. How would you fix that? Would you have perhaps... Um, not shown the audience the crimes and then had flashbacks later? That's one way of doing it. I I think if it had all been shorter, it could have been a more... I feel bad saying this. A more pulsating, thrilling sort of experience if it was all a bit shorter and snappier. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I wanted this real-life crime to be more exciting, but I think... The film itself could have been um, a bit snappier in that sense, and that could have increased the tension. And the way it was, it was sort of a bit slow, on purpose, of course. I'm not not saying, you know know what I'm saying again. Um, He could have framed around an investigation, but again, that you run into the criticism that I mentioned of it being all about how the the cops came in and saved the day. Mm -hmm. I struggled in the film with the double up, though. Like, there was literally a scene describing the killing during the trial when Ernest was on the stand. And then we Mm. literally watched a flashback of the scene play out. Like, he described the whole crime. And then there was a scene. It was, I think, when they lured the woman down to the creek. Why do we need to have that both times? Like, either cut one, you know, or show the scene the flashback with his voiceover from the trial or something. Like, there was so Mm. much double up of... Let's describe this thing, then let's show this thing. I think if you cut some of that, you could easily slice this down by a third, mm. you know. And even just that might have been enough tightening to to give it a bit of pace. Not in terms of like, you know, a, a rollicking pace, but just a bit of narrative pace in terms of, mm. okay, now we're moving on to the next step rather than sort of just hanging yeah, out for a bit, you know. Potentially, what you could have done is frame the whole story about from the very beginning. Leo's on trial. Is he going to turn on his uncle, and then go into flashbacks about how yeah. they got together? And maybe don't show the crimes. Maybe the crimes happened, and Leo is implicated. And we're like, not sure if he really knows what's going on. Is he mm-hmm. innocent Patsy here? Or is he actually part of it? And then, as the film progresses, we finally revealed his his true complicity in everything. And it seems like he's not going to turn on his uncle, and then he yeah. has a change of heart and does. Yeah, I don't want to tell Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio and Martin Scorsese what to do in the <laughs> film. 
that's just an option. That, that's something, you know, just thinking about. Well, like, no, I think it's a valid uh, thing because mm. Scorsese's copped a bit of flack in the last little bit for making quite inaccessible films. Like he made The Irishman, which was also three mm. hours. Did you end up watching that? I did watch it, but to be honest, not so much in the same one since here, but I think for Irishman, I got a bit lost in it. I didn't really. Yeah. I'd have to watch it again, really, to. No, that's okay. It, so, but what know. I'm saying is, like, there, there were some similar complaints there about convoluted and it's going on for a long time. And he's certainly making very, what we are interpreting now as very dated movies. Like, the, this isn't this mm. isn't a modern way of making movies anymore. He's sort of stuck in the past because, of course, he is. He's Martin Scorsese, right? He's always going to make movies the way that he's going to make movies. But I do find it interesting that new audiences are finding his work quite inaccessible. Mm. And I'm interested to know or to, to think about, I guess, consider how his work could be more accessible. He doesn't seem interested with that as, yeah, as a that's his right. journey, and that's totally fine. Yeah, I'm not mm. saying that he should. But um, it... It's it's certainly a task for me to see this film. And the other thing is, like, we joked about the runtime at the beginning, but to take four hours of your afternoon off to go and have a crap time at the movies, mm. pay 25 bucks for a ticket or whatever, plus parking, to watch a movie that you don't really understand that makes you feel like crap, what's the buy-in there, you know? Like, how do you get people to see your movie? You know, mm. he's only getting people to see his movie because he's Martin Scorsese, really. Like, I'm sorry to say it, but that's that's it, you know. Yeah, and, like, he's totally got the right to have a, a long movie and to, to do it the way he wants to do it. Yeah. Um, but I agree with you that, yeah, maybe times have changed a little bit or maybe the times are never there, but he's creating his yeah. own conditions. I think here. we spoke about this with um, Spielberg a bit in our Fableman's podcast, similar thing where these greatest directors of all time, you know, are aging out now of the industry, which is really horrible and sad, but it's interesting that they were once the pinnacle of filmmaking and, and trailblazers, right? But now we're sort of kind of want something fresh and new. Um, I will say he loves a shot to the head, doesn't he, Marty, in his films? Mm-hmm. He loves sort of mobster, a lot of violence, um, which I found a bit confronting actually. And I, I yeah, it doesn't glamorize it. No, um, the scene with the woman putting a baby in the pram was just thought about mm. that shot, you know, a lot of times since I've seen the movie and how horrible that was. But um, this makes me want to go back and watch some of his earlier films that I haven't got around yeah. to yet. Because I think back when it was a bit leaner and meaner and um, cutting corners and mm. like up and coming, I should say not cutting corners. Yeah, yeah, but like, yeah. Didn't have $200 million at his disposal. And that's the other thing, isn't it, that we've spoken about a lot recently is about creative constraints and how if you have, if you, mm. if you can make whatever movie you want for as long as you want with the best actors that you want and with as much money as you want, maybe you get something that's not as good as it could have been had one of the constraints been put on you. You know, creativity yeah. happens in those moments where you're stunted a little yeah. bit sometimes. Other thing, again, I don't want to criticise Martin Scorsese because how, how dare we do this, mm-hmm. but do you wonder, given that he's like in his 80s now, mm-hmm. whether he still thinks of Leonardo DiCaprio as a young man? 
because yeah good point <laughs> i was wondering about that because jesse Plemons is actually younger than him but he's playing an older character and at one point he actually calls him son like which i think actually worked <laughs> right because because of the I yes. the mental age sort of thing that we went we see i didn't upon. i didn't know that so i apologize for not picking up on that um yeah but, but also leo apparently was was in talks to play the investigator role initially but then he wanted to play the the role he did the earnest role um there's a quote yeah online. In, in my mind i think i wonder if, if he thinks yeah, leo's still the young hot thing and robert de niro is the old guy now so that's okay yeah but it didn't quite work for me and maybe if someone was younger was in leo's role it could have worked a bit more there was a quote i saw online by marty saying that like he doesn't recognize anyone in hollywood anymore and he can't experience anything new mm. but he sees leo and 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 leo's his friend and this landscape sort of thing <laughs> um and so, yeah, I think he, it doesn't matter what age the character's going to be. He's going to get Leo and Robert De Niro in because they're, they're mm. his muses and that's that's fine. Um, do you want to talk about performance-wise, we spoke about Jesse and Leo and Robert, do you want to talk about Brendan Fraser? I do. I just quickly, Jesse Clemens, sure. he can do no wrong. Oh, We didn't talk about him too much, but obviously it's, just, it's a given. And he, he's when they open the door and he's there with his little hat, I was like... <laughs> His big hat, sorry. Sorry, yeah, his massive hat. I'm going to correct you, but his massive hat. <laughs> I was like, hell yeah, I'm yeah. back in. I'm engaged. Yes, it's only for the last half an hour, but I'm here. Because he is just phenomenal. And I was reminded how brilliant he was in the movie that I am going to forget the name of with Kirsten Dunst. And they're in the, the Western. Power of the Dog. That's it, Power of the Dog. How brilliant he was in that movie. He's just... I haven't seen a performance of his that's bad, genuinely. If you guys haven't seen Game Night, you actually should. Yes, it looks silly <laughs> on the surface, and it is to an extent. And yes, that clip of Rachel McAdams gets played ad nauseum with the guy who flies into the plane engine or whatever. Mm-hmm. But Jesse Plemons plays the most terrifying villain ever, I think, ever put to film. Like, he just has this ability to... But then in this, he's playing such a straight up and down, like, by the book man, and he can do that as well. He can do it all. Get yourself a man who can do it all. <laughs> um, yeah, Ben Fraser, we should move on to. Yes. He's copped some flack, right? We just had the Fresaissance fr- fr- last year when he won the Oscar and everyone was sort of saying sorry for being mean to him for so long. Yep. And then he comes along in this, Sine. I didn't mind it, but the way he comes in, he's very bombastic, he's yelling. It's just so different to the rest of the movie. I can see why there has been some criticism. What, mm-hmm. what did you think? Um, I thought that Martin had like 80% of the film done and then <laughs> Brendan called or he called Brendan and was like, hey, I have actually moved some things around and I'm available for your film now. And Martin's like, mm. cool, just come in. We'll figure it out. And then he just comes in and they're like, yep, that'll do. That's that's the feeling I got from it. Wow. He didn't seem integrated into the narrative. It just seemed like, let's get this guy in who has a couple of spare days in his schedule. Like, I don't know. I think just really disconnected from the rest of it. Was that because of the casting or performance or both? Both, I think. Hmm, okay. I'm not expecting him to turn up in a small role towards the end of the movie. Like, I just don't know if that's mm. the right casting there. 
Yeah, felt, felt a bit weird to me. I didn't didn't mind him, obviously. It's Brandon Fraser, but yeah, I think it just felt different to everything else. Yeah, I thought John Lithgow was good. He's always good, obviously. It's hard to go wrong, but he felt like he fit somehow. But of course he does, though. Like you know what I mean? Because he's mm. like just. He sort of plays the same role in every movie. Like, I'm sorry, he's wonderful. How, I love how him dare so you? But he does, though, right? He sort of does. And so he's going to fit into this sort of movie that's a bit, you know, standard by the book sort of thing. Should we talk about the ending? <laughs> yes, I get the feeling you didn't like it. <sighs> what Can you describe it to us so we can talk about it? It, it? it ends with a coda, with an epilogue. That's a radio play, and it's like, and here's what happened to these characters after. The reason why I hated it is because I'm already here for three and a half hours. We've already done a sort of cradle to grave. May as well just give me another half an hour and watch me, what like I can see this play out on screen. Like, it just felt weird. It gave, you know what it felt like? It felt like a kid who's like, hasn't done their homework for class and they'd done most of their homework and then the lunch bell rang and they didn't get through that last 10%, so they just wrote something quickly and made it up at the end. That's what it felt like. So I had mm. a whole front he- top-heavy narrative, interesting stuff happening in the last half an hour, and then it's like, I- oh, by the way, this is what happened. Just show me. I'm already here. I've paid my $25. Like, did you like it? I did like it. Why? Because- because it showed how the real life um, murders and events have been turned into entertainment. entertainment. Right. Yeah, I guess so. And it was like, did it in a radio play that was performed on stage and they were doing like all these fun um, sound effects and making stuff. these fun sounds, mm-hmm. the Foley sort of sounds. Mm-hmm. And the only way that the story was told was through the eyes of entertainment and through white people and the investigation and everybody who was involved got away scot-free essentially yeah and it was like funny and then martin himself turns up yes and he delivers a little the, the final lines about how um molly kyle lily gunson's character passed away fairly young and in the obituary no one ever mentioned the murders and what i read online is that that seems to be his sort of saying I'm part of this. I've also turned her real life tragedy into yeah. a movie, and I've, I've tried to do it better than this radio play sort of has. But you know, I'm still doing it. Also, the radio play was um, sponsored or, or run by the FBI, who was sort of mm. trying to you know, clean up their image or or present the idea that they're the ones who saved the day, which I think was part of it like let's turn this horrible story about real people who died into how great we are as a organization mm-hmm. it probably came too late and i don't think it really fit which is probably the point that it it's disconnected to the rest of the story yeah but yeah imagine if it'd been 90 minutes or you know, two hours even and then that little five minute coda that could have been mind-blowing but you're probably ready to leave by the time it happens you've you've brought me around with your little I, I take what you're giving and I accept it and okay. I understand now what it was doing. But I think you're right. The reason why it annoyed me is because I'd already given so much of my time mm. and energy and attention to this that I was like, why are you rushing through the last little bit? But 
I could have perhaps seen more clearly its intention had it been a tighter movie overall. Yeah, I know what you mean though. You kind of feel like the movie's going, 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 and then it's like, okay, this is what happened. Here's a and we're just choosing Ooh. to end it here as well, like randomly. Yeah. That's what it felt like yeah. to me. It's like just picking a random point in the narrative to end it and then just telling me what happened to the end. Yeah, um, no. And again, I, I don't want to tell everyone what to do, but if that had been the ending of a four-part miniseries on HBO, yeah, I think people would have gone crazy for it on online, yeah. you know? Like yeah, what, a, what, a, what a crazy epilogue, thrilling mm. you know, ending. Yeah. I wonder creatively for directors like this who have, you know, the whole world at their disposal, the creative decision of of the medium to best tell your story. Like, I don't know whether Scorsese is the type of person to ever consider doing a miniseries, you know what I mean? Even though perhaps mm. his his type of movies are better suited to what miniseries are now. Yeah, um, maybe. But he grew, he grew up wanting feature films, so he's going to make a feature film. Maybe mm. that's what I was saying before about, um, you know, aging out of the industry. Maybe a way to remain relevant or remain accessible for a new audience is to change up your your mode i guess of communication but yes potentially i, I don't know I, I don't think it wants to be a, a tv director i think that's exactly the, that's what i'm that's saying that's what i'm saying yeah. yeah because it's not prestigious and it wasn't prestigious when he was making you know the yeah, first exactly. of his career even no, though it's changed it, recently it's totally changed but yeah the spielberg thing was like you make some tv stuff before you make real exactly movies. exactly yeah, yeah. I read once that David Stratton, different sort of kettle fish given he's a film reviewer, mm. but apparently he, he never watched TV, only watched films. That's interesting. <laughs> and he said something like, yeah, I've never watched a Seinfeld or The Simpsons. I don't know what they are, but I've watched every movie that's ever been made. Mm. Isn't that weird? He, it does check out, though. Oh, it checks out sort for of... sure. <laughs> uh, yeah. But imagine being like mm. a, a world expert in films but not knowing what Seinfeld is really. Like, yeah. It's weird as. I think especially like in this genre, so many things, well, genre of filmmaking I meant, um, so many things are referential to each other and are part of a wider cultural experience. And so it feels weird to mm. cut yourself off from a big portion of that. Um, totally. And, and, you know, it's all screen content these days, isn't it, for... Exactly. It doesn't matter now. So, Everything's on streaming. You mm. can stream. It doesn't really matter whether it's a movie or, or a miniseries to stream, you know. Mm. Um, there's one thing I wanted to talk about just before we wrap up, um, mm. which is the decision to subtitle some of the Osage dialogue, but not all of it. Mm. What? Did, how did you feel about that? It's always interesting to me in movies, not just this one, but in general, what they what, what is decided to be subtitled and what isn't. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess if you can understand what's going on without the subtitles, that's okay. It, I couldn't. Thinking is that we'll we'll put it there thing. when it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There were some scenes where I wanted to know what they were talking about and what was going on, mm. and I was annoyed that he was making a decision for me to not understand it, which I know is silly because it's his film and that's the point of it. But um. I wanted to know, I wanted to hear the people speak in their own language about the things that were going on. And I wasn't always mm. given that, but I know that that is the point. So. Mm. What do you think of the, the views? I think there was that video that went around at the at the premiere. Um, I think it was one of the Osage advisors in the film where he said that yes. he was a bit concerned that the film was too focused on the love story aspect. Yeah. I... 
I'm really glad that he was given a place to talk about that um, on a yeah, red carpet of all it's things. A, like, it's a fair enough thing to say. Yeah, Again, it doesn't have yeah. to mean that the film is terrible and shouldn't be watched, but I think it's a fair enough thing to consider, isn't it? Yeah, and I wonder if the movie sort of gives Ernest an out in that way of saying, well, but he did love his wife. Like, he did all these horrible mm. things, but, you know, he really did love his wife. When mm. that's not really the, the point, is it? Is the point they loved his wife or is the point that they killed all these people for not much reason, you know? I think it comes down to the fact that she gives him the opportunity to admit to it all, that he was poisoned here at least. Yes, that seems... And he doesn't take it. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite heart-wrenching, so, wasn't it? It yeah. doesn't let him off the hook in that sense, but... No. It sort of doesn't earlier where it's like, well, he's complex, he loves her, but he's doing this stuff, he's easily swayed, but he's trying to look out for her. Yeah, tough one. But see, my my immediate reaction to that is to just go to Molly's experience of being like, mm. your sisters have died, they've been murdered, mm. you've lost a child, mm-hmm. two children, I think, your husband's poisoning you and you're dying. Mm. like i don't know how she got through that all you know yeah absolutely i think the other thing i don't want to be like you know there's people who are like oh if i'm being criticized it means i'm doing the right thing you know mm. it's men and me some lives it's some haters and stuff preview doing the right stuff i don't think that but i do think if you make interesting films about weighty subjects people are going to have reactions and the, the reactions will be nuanced. And so I think that that's what this film is um, inviting. If you make a boring film about nothing, no one cares about it. No one will have any questions or concerns, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Okay. Can you give it a rating? How do I give it a rating without... <laughs> it? Turn- I don't know. It's hard to rate things that are based on real life. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll probably give it three stars. Mm. It's a well... It's well done for what it is, but I wanted more. And mm. there were just a few things that perhaps could have made it more enjoyable as a film. How about you? Yeah, I'll give it three and a half stars. Um, very well made. Yes, uh, very well made. You're not going to... Visually beautiful performances, well done, directing, well, well directed. Um, very long. And <laughs> some narrative issues we had. Mm. Um, I think you should watch it though. Potentially watch it on a streaming service if you. I think that's the way to do it. Watch it on streaming. Mm. Take your time with it. Have a break. Be refreshed. Come watch the second half. You know. Mm. And we look. We criticized a lot of things in this podcast, but there is one beautiful sequence, which is where the mother passes away and she's greeted by her people in. On the other side, mm. um, which is so beautifully done, so beautifully done, um, with no dialogue as well. And see, it's moments like that where you're like, "Oh, wow, okay, he is top-notch filmmaker." Mm. But unfortunately, I didn't have many of those moments in this one. Well, I'd argue it gets a bit lost in the runtime too. Unfortunately, yeah, yeah. Okay, well, thank you very much for listening. We've got podcast in the back catalogue and also more in the front catalogue that we say coming up we do next week christmas pod yay christmas 
what Christmas. What's it going to be? We don't know yet. What Christmas movie are we going to cover? Who knows? Um, and there's also our end of year wrap up to come mm-hmm. the following week, which will be exciting. Tell you about our faves, now faves. 2024. 2024, exciting things happening for the pod. Fingers crossed. Mm. All right, well, thank you for being here. We'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Botox Cosmetic, Autobotulinum Toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.